the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. Welcome to the program. It's called Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. We talk about the past history. We talk about the future prophecy. We talk about the here and the now. But for the last several years, we've sort of set aside Tuesday to be Tough Question Tuesday, where you can ask the most difficult questions about God, the Bible, world religions. Um, That doesn't mean I'm going to know the answer. People ask me questions, and I actually don't know the answer. So if I don't know the answer, I'll just sort of tell you, I do not know the answer. But you're welcome to call at 303-873-1935. It is Tough Question Tuesday, and it's also Mardi Gras for all of my pals out there who are from Louisiana or who are from uh, New Orleans in particular. This is the date that um, the parade breaks out. And so... People ask questions about the origins of Mardi Gras, and I'm happy to to talk about that. I think I will talk about that. Um, But also, um, lots of things going on in the news. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. Producer Jim is standing by to take your call. And it is, of course, 303-873-1935. And I'm sort of looking at my computer and my messenger just to make sure everything is peaches and cream. And I'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the news. But, again, here's Tough Question Tuesday, and it is also Mardi Gras which Mardi Gras or Mardi Gras is the French word for Fat Tuesday. So it's the last day of a season called Carnival. And the Carnival season is characterized by feasting, dancing, merrymaking. And uh, Mardi Gras is the culmination of those festivities and it features parades and masquerades and unfortunately it also features a lot of shameless debauchery and drunkenness and carnival is typically celebrated in catholic countries of southern european and latin america so um, there is the parade that's very famous in new orleans but there are also parades in places like Rio de Janeiro. And the excess of Carnival may not seem to have much in common with the austerity of Lent, but Fat Tuesday 
is the day that leads to Lent. And I'll talk a little bit about Lent maybe tomorrow. So tomorrow in Roman Catholic circles is Ash Wednesday. But so when you're talking about Carnival, Mardi Gras, and Lent, in a way, Tuesday becomes the last day before you have to hunker down and uh, begin the procession, if you will, to Easter, which lasts 40 days. So the day after Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, and therefore the end of Carnival is followed immediately by the beginning of Lent. And so that's part of the meaning of all of this stuff. So Lent is a time typically of fasting and penance in the Roman Catholic tradition as you're preparing for Easter. It's a different question if you want to ask me about fasting and penance in a different context. But Carnival is seen as kind of the last hurrah, the last indulgence before the fast. You might think of it as the last binge before having to give up something for the next 40 days. So what does the Bible say about all of that? Well, this is a fairly easy question because there's nothing in the Bible (laughs) that in any way suggests that early Christians observed either Carnival or Lent. And, of course, there's no biblical support for the kind of carnality, wickedness, excess that's practiced on Fat Tuesday. So the Bible obviously doesn't encourage us to celebrate drunkenness. The Bible forbids drunkenness. The Bible forbids carousing. The the Bible forbids sexual fornication. And you might say, well, where in the Bible does it say that? It's Romans chapter 13. Again, in verses 13 and 14, it says, let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of one translation says the flesh, but another translation says the sinful nature. And so um, another translation says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So last year, Mardi Gras was February 21st. This year, it's today, today, today. And by the way, next year in 2025, Mardi Gras will fall on the 4th of March. So maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Ash Wednesday tomorrow. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. And again, producer Jim is standing by to take your call at 303-873-1935.
1935. There's a lot going on um, in the last couple of days. Um, it's been reported by a number of different outlets that the Israeli Defense Forces rescued a couple of hostages deep within Gaza during a uh, a fairly daring operation. Guy Benson reported that the Israeli government announced the successful execution of a dramatic and daring rescue operation in which two hostages being held by terrorists in in a Rafah apartment were freed. They were returned home alive. And as you can imagine, Israel rejoices. This whole hostage fiasco has been a nightmare, not just for the families involved, but the entire nation. The details of how this was achieved read like, according to Guy Benson, something out of a thriller movie or more aptly the episode of the show uh, Fauda as was the amazing surgical raid against the senior Hamas operatives last month. Additional details are coming to light. And according to the government, quote, many terrorists were eliminated tonight in the action, which is an added bonus from this mission. Ed Morrissey says, quote, this week Biden all but demanded a halt in the IDF's march on Hamas. And had they ordered them, the hostages would never have been set free. The current president is warning Israel not to march into Rafah. Israeli government is saying, ignoring that. So I'll have more when we come back. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. Before we went to the break, I was telling you about the Israeli rescue. Um, The Israelis rescued two hostages in Rafah. And again, there's said to be about a hundred more still being held by Hamas. Several have died. Uh, the raid to free them was in an apartment in southern Gaza of the city called Rafah. What's interesting also is this is the place where uh, Palestinian refugees have fled, according to Israeli uh, sources. This included airstrikes that killed 94 Palestinians. Well, that's not Israeli forces. That's the Gaza Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas. And so the statistics are not necessarily credible, but I thought I would pass that information on to you. And um, the U.N. estimates, the United Nations estimates, there's about 1.3 million Palestinians currently living um, in that area, trying to escape war. And so, 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. And a couple of other things in the news, as I'm waiting your tough question on Tough Question Tuesday, 303-873-1935. And by the way, I have open lines. So if you've ever wanted to call in, now would be a great time to do it, 303 303- 873-1935. According to CBS last year, the United States Customs and Border Protection recorded two and a half 
million instances of detaining or turning away people attempting to cross the border into the United States from Mexico. So what's the fastest growing group among them? According to CBS, not a paragon of conservatism, according to CBS, the fastest growing group are Chinese migrants of military age. According to the New York Post, quote, as an influx of immigration from around the world continues to surge, many are now crossing into the country through the gaps in the border wall. And TikTok is reportedly helping them do it. A translator speaking for a 37-year-old female Chinese migrant relayed to 60 Minutes CBS after being asked how they learned about the southern border gaps near California, migrants have purportedly been using videos on the China-owned social media platform that provides, this is according to the New York Post, I'm quoting them, step-by-step instructions for how to find gaps in the border wall and hire smugglers. Citizen Free Press, quote, Chinese are using TikTok to cross the United States border. Step-by-step instructions for hiring smugglers and detailed directions to the hole we visited. This is being posted on X. So, again, 303-873-1935. There's another thing in the news that I want to get to, and that is in India, um, churches have been ordered to take down all symbols that relate to Christ and Christianity. And I'll have a comment about that because, again, by removing the symbols of Christianity, are you going to remove Christ? Well, no. And, of course, Katie Pavlich uh, talks about the White House Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, And uh, she's saying that speaking to reporters at the White House uh, Monday, yesterday, Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre would not commit to releasing the transcript of the interview that the president did with special counsel Robert Hur in October. Further, Jean-Pierre would not commit to Biden taking a cognitive test As part of his annual physical, she also refused to make the White House physician available for questioning, according to Town Hall. The RNC research said Corrine Jean-Pierre won't say if they will release the transcript of Biden's interview with the special counsel. Um, The list goes on and on. So, again, 303-873-1935. Also, here's an interesting thing, according to Fox News. The number of LGBTQ identifying students tripled in the last four years in California, according to the University of California system. So all of that, interesting. 303 
873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Bonnie, welcome to the program. Hi, Dino. Thank you Hi. for getting my call. Oh, you are welcome. <laughs> well, I, I'm i just struggling with something. Um, the Lord is all-knowing, and if he knows everything, okay, first of all, where did the sin in heaven come from in order for Lucifer to sin and fall? I thought heaven was a perfect place where there was no sin. Well, again, uh, the Bible seems to indicate that God did allow an angel, a beautiful angel named Lucifer, to choose or choose otherwise. And so the quick answer to your question is, in order for God to not compel obedience or worship, it requires freedom. And so it's a big, it's a great big question. Um, yeah. if God, if God knew that Satan's going to rebel, why did he create him? And so the, right. I, I guess the way that I would answer that question, it's, it's, the, it's, it's kind of a two part question. Did God okay. know Satan would rebel? And of course the answer is yes. God is omniscient. Now, again, right. The, the right way of thinking about this is God doesn't create Satan. He creates Lucifer or an angelic being who is beautiful and good. And so the in 1 John chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 it leaves no doubt that God's knowledge is infinite past knowing. He says by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. So the Bible says he knows everything. And when you look at the superlatives, he is perfect in knowledge, understanding he has no limit. He knows everything. So to the second part of the question, why does he allow or knowing ahead of time why is that he's going to rebel? This is a little bit trickier question. Because yeah. because the why question doesn't provide a comprehensive answer to the Bible. Now, we could speculate a, a, about a number of different things, that when God allows certain things, he is going to prove or test or perfect people. And so, okay. uh, again, um, we, we, we should understand that knowing Satan would rebel is different from making Satan rebel. And just right. like just okay. like just like Lucifer has free will in his choices, God doesn't create him to be a devil. He creates him to be good. So remember, human beings are also created in the image of God and he made them to be good. Now I, I, I was very specific in my in my language. I'm not saying that human beings are basically good. What I'm saying is that human beings are basically fallen, but that's not the way God created them. And so we, okay. we sh- so we should consider a couple of things. So there's several different nuances to your question. I'm trying to get to the other question. But Lucifer had a good and perfect purpose before his fall. 
And then God's sovereignty extends even to Satan in his fallen condition, just like God's, and by sovereignty, remember what I mean by by that word. Sovereignty means authority and power to do whatever he wants. So sovereignty means authority and the power to do whatever he wants. And so um, let's see if we can sort of dovetail this. If you don't mind holding, I'll try and get to the other part of your question. This is Gino Joyce. Thanks for joining me. 303-873-1935. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number is 303-873-1935. And Bonnie, I kind of want to sort of take a stab at your question. um, Okay. (laughs) About why does God allow Satan to do what he's doing? And And the, my immediate answer is, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Now, if I were to ask the question a little bit different, if God is all powerful, which he is, why doesn't he just kill Satan? That's that's another way. That's another way of asking your question. And so one of the one of the mysteries is why didn't God just destroy Satan immediately after Satan sinned? And so apparently Satan has some role to play in the unfolding drama that we call salvation. Now, here's what we know. We know that God's going to defeat Satan. So we know that he's going to throw him into a lake of fire where he's going to be burned day and night forever, according to Revelation 20.10. So, again, I don't know the answer to your question, but what I'm inviting you to do is to put the question in perspective. And the question in perspective is, I don't have any, I don't have a good reason to know why this hasn't already been dealt with. And in other words, if it were Gino Geraci, I would say, do not pass go, do not collect $200. We're going to go right to the eternal state. But apparently, apparently, Bonnie, you might have children or grandchildren or their children might have children. And God wants people to be saved. So imagine if God did this immediately after Adam and Eve, there is no Bonnie. There is no Gino. But for whatever reason that I don't quite understand, um, God is allowing this issue to unfold. Now, like I said, he's sovereign over creation, and that includes Satan. It was, I right. think, Martin Luther who said that the devil is still God's devil. And I know it sounds yeah. cliche that we know that God is causing all things to work together for good. And we right. know that the question, we know that whatever God's plan is and however God is accomplishing that plan, he is perfect in his nature. He is perfect in his judgment. And I'm going to suggest that he's perfect in his plan. Now I'm back to my original answer to you, but I don't know the details yeah. of that plan. But I do it's, know it's that very, it's, yeah. It's very hard because as we see things on this earth and, and things that happen, our hearts grieve and are so sad. And I can't imagine why he's waiting to do something. And I, 
I think I'm scared because my own trust is being um, challenged. Yes. Well, yes. And let me let me let me give you a passage of scripture to refer to, and okay. to believe and to believe in. Okay. In, Psal- in Psalm eighteen thirty, it says, "This God, or as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him." And you go, I don't oh, I know everything like about everything. And by the way, I'm getting more and more comfortable about no, not knowing everything about everything. But So I'm not willing to give up what I know for what I don't know. Here's what I know. Right, yes. Here's okay. what I know. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord will prove true. He's a shield and a refuge. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Gino. I appreciate it. Just some days I get... So weary of things. Right. All the more reason. Go to your Bible, underline Psalm eighteen thirty, reflect on okay. it. Okay. Reflect on it and go. You know, Gino told me something today. And by the way, Gino didn't make it up. My pastor told me this. Don't give oh, up what me. you know for what you don't know. Don't give up what you know for what you don't know. I will never give up. Never. All right, I just see get challenged sometimes. <laughs> All right, see ya. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Lonnie, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi. I find it interesting we talked to Bonnie, and now you're talking to Lonnie. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was reading in Exodus 32 this morning, and a verse popped out at me, and I just was so struck by it. I needed. I thought, I need to call Gino about this. It's Exodus thirty two fourteen, and it says, So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Right. I honestly thought that God couldn't change his mind because he knows everything. So how uh, would he possibly change his mind? Yeah, and the way that I think about that is context. And so in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. In James 1.17, it talks about every good and perfect gift comes from above, um, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So how do we explain? That's uh, James chapter 1, verse 17. Also, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. And I'm going to get to yours here in just a second, okay? But in Numbers 23, 13, it says, God isn't a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And so based on those pa- passages, my my response is God doesn't change his mind. So then how do we explain Genesis 6, 6, which says the Lord was grieved that he made man on the earth. His heart was filled with pain. In your passage, Exodus 32, 14, in another translation, it says, then the Lord relented and did not Mm -hmm. bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Sometimes that word is, is translated or thought of repenting or relenting of something 
um, that seem to contradict the doctrine of God's immutability. So, right. and, not, and, and so, so there's a couple of, and another passage comes to my mind in Jonah, you know, where Nineveh repents and it looks like God changed his mind, but there, there's two important things to think about. First, we can say statements like the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, that this is called an anthropopathism uh, that, or an anthropopathia. So this is a figure of speech in which the feelings or thought processes of a finite humanity are ascribed to an infinite God. It's a way of helping us, I think, understand God's work from a human perspective. And so in Genesis 6, 6, we understand God's sorrow over man's sin. Now, because of God's sorrow over man's sin, it doesn't reverse his decision to create human beings. The fact that you and I are having this conversation is proof that he didn't change his mind about creation. But the second is is a distinction between what I'm going to call conditional declarations of God versus unconditional determinations of God. In other words, when God said, I will destroy Nineveh in 40 days, he was speaking conditionally upon the Assyrians' response. We know this because the Assyrians repented. And, right. and God didn't meet out uh, the judgment, and so and then Jonah was mad. Exactly, and Jonah, and Moses got mad at the children of Israel and broke the tablets. Exactly, and so in the passage in Exodus where it says, "Then the Lord relented and it did not bring." on his people, the disaster he had threatened. I am thinking that this is one of those conditional things because of the intervention of Moses and the change of heart that is going to take place in the heart of Moses about these people and their future. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your insight. Hey, no, thank you for calling. Say hi to your husband for me. I will. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for calling. 303-873-1935. Happy to take your calls. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Justin, welcome to the program. Hey. Hey, thanks for calling. Yeah, hey, Gino, it's your friend Justin. Uh, Just giving you a call. Um, I wanted to respond to your caller, Bonnie. I had a little simpler insight, and I just want to say I appreciate the depth that you go in on your understanding of those tough questions like that. Um, yeah, so well, remember, I didn't really answer her question because I said the truth, I don't know the answer. But I do know these principles surrounding the thought. Yes, uh, it was so. It was it was really good. I appreciate that. I got a simpler understanding of it, as in uh, kind of like a mother and a father. They create a child, and that child's going to sin, and it's not necessarily the mother or father's fault. Um, 
and I think that God probably loved Lucifer, and he felt when Lucifer decided to rebel, he felt that grief, and I think that's what we're feeling um, is some of that grief for the fall. So yeah, I don't dispute um, that I, because we know God, by His very nature, is love. It doesn't say God is, and then fill in the blank. It it, it emphasizes this issue of love. It's impossible for me to not believe. That, that he creates Lucifer other other than in anything other than good and perfect. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Hey, I got another question for you. It's one that uh, I'm a little confused on, if you can maybe touch on it. Sure. So uh, the blood of Christ, when it was shed, um, so my understanding, what's the difference between the washing of sins or, my understanding was, that the world's sin was imputed into Christ, therefore was it sin in his blood, and therefore the shedding of the blood was the shedding of the world's sin? Or how was it a washing? Yeah, and, and with that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hang up and let okay. you answer. Yeah, the, All right, it, thank it, you, Bruno. Okay, you are welcome. I, I think that the key of the concept is found in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14, where it talks about that atonement for sin is achieved by sacrificing um, an animal's life. And so the Bible talks about the life is in the blood in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14. Now fast forward that to the blood of Jesus. Now the blood of Jesus, we, we, if, we, if we take it too literal and we go, you mean the hemoglobin, the, the red and the white blood cells? I'm going to suggest to you that what is being talked about is this perfect picture of sacrifice. It is a sacrificial death. And so the, the, so there's two great big ideas. The first great big idea is the idea of sacrifice. And the next great big idea is death. And so references to the Savior's blood include the reality that he's literally going to bleed on a cross. And more significantly, that he bleeds and, and bled and died for sinners. So the blood of Christ has... And, and read the sacrifice has the power to atone for an infinite number of sins committed by an infinite number of people in an infinite number of ages. And so to your second question, it is true that it isn't limited to cleansing and forgiving it atones, so it covers blood, it cleanses blood. And, and the other thing that I would think of, so the sacrifice of Jesus breaks the power of sin. And then it will eventually, oh, excuse me, it breaks the penalty for sin. And then the power for sin. And then... At some point, it's going to remove us from the presence of sin. So this blood 
is typified in the Mosaic law in the sense that the priest was to make an offering of the blood of animals on the altar of the temple for the sin of the people. It says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, the writer of Hebrews says in 9.22. But this was a blood offering that was limited in its effectiveness, that is, the Old Testament sacrifice, all it did was cover sin from time to time and was offered over and over again. And so the writer of Hebrews and the New Testament writers basically say that the sacrifice or the blood of Jesus is the basis of the new covenant. And of course, you'll remember the famous passage in Luke 22 where Um, Jesus is offered a cup of wine, and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. And so the pouring of the wine in the cup symbolized the blood uh, of Christ, which would be poured out for all who believe in him. Now, again, this is where metaphor, symbol, and reality kind of blur and come to a fruition in the actual event. We discover that the blood of animals was sufficient. I guess the way I would put it is the blood of animals was not sufficient to cover the sin of the people. I think an argument might be made on a temporary basis But a sin against a holy and an infinite God is going to require a holy and an infinite sacrifice. And so the way the New Testament writer talks about it is that the sacrifices, the writer of Hebrews says, are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. While the blood of bulls and goats were a reminder of sin, the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect, it says in 1 Peter 1.19. And so not only does the blood of Jesus redeem believers from sin and punishment, but apparently his blood will make our conscience pure from useless acts so that we could serve the living God. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, another translation says, How much more will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So apparently there is the the sacrifice provides the basis of personal purity. But that's another story. 303-873-1935. I don't think I have time literally to take another call, do I, Producer Jim? If if the person can hold on, I'm happy, happy to take the call. Um, the, the Just another quick note, because I've only got just a few seconds. Because the blood of Jesus has redeemed us, according to Paul in the New Testament, we're new creatures, or rather, we're new creation, and the word creation means something previously unknown. It's like it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so it's the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice, that has redeemed us. So it's redeemed us, reconciled us, made us new creations. We're free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin to serve the living God, to glorify him. I'll have more when we come back. 303-873-1935. Thanks for joining me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 